Welcome to The Seirete, a Bleach fandom community podcast brought to you by Yachiru's Lost and Found. It might have been lost, but she was sure she found it, only to realize she'd lost it again. My name is Del, and today I'm joined by Lethen. Hey. And Naomi. Hiya. Hi. How are you guys doing? I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how long has it been, Dale, since I last recorded with you? Oh, God. I feel like it was summer, but then September always feels like summer to me anyway. It's, it's been at least a month. I think it's been at least a solid month. Yeah, it has been. Gosh, I've missed you. I've missed you too, babe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad that we're all together again doing this. Yes. Uh, maybe it's because I like took a week off last week and I feel like so much time has passed. But anyway, here we are. Wowie, wowie. Happy October, by the way. I can't believe it's October. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Flew in. It's crazy times. It is. Granted, I spend most of my year looking forward to October to begin with because <laughs> spooky season is my jam. I'm one of those people. Deal with it. Um, yes. It's going to be like, speaking of spooky, but no, I, I don't think the two episodes we're covering today are particularly spooky. They are, however, <laughs> really jam-packed. There's a mm-hmm. lot that happens, and we're jumping from a lot of places to a lot of other places quite quickly. Um, so we should probably just jump into the episode summaries because there's a lot to get through, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. Sick. So we're going to kick things off with episode 28 called Orihime Targeted, which is a choice. Whatever. I'm sure Lethen has thoughts and feelings about that and we'll get to it soon. But we explode into episode 28, much like Ganju bursting through a dirt hewn hole in one of the many, many Seirete walls to catch the tail end of the showdown between the scrappy, sandy Ganju and the shamelessly beautiful Yumichika, fifth seat of Squad 11. Ganju and Yumichika exchange words and blows in an unexpectedly evenly matched way for a good long time until Ganju seemingly manages to blow Yumichika up with a firework bomb, which Captain Kempachi Zaraki and his directionally challenged Lieutenant Yachiru also see. Meanwhile, Uryu and Orihime end up exchanging projectiles with Jirobo Ikanzaka, the fourth seat of Squad 7, and thanks to his prowess, Orihime begins to see Uryu in something of a different light. And as all of this transpires, Mayori Kurotsuchi, captain of Squad 12, sends members of his scientific squad off to track down the Ryoka and, if possible, capture them so he can use them as test subjects. Like you do. (laughs) (laughs) And that... Brings us into episode 29, Breakthrough, the Shinigami's Encompassing Net. So this episode starts with another four minutes of the previous episode included, which uh, left us all scratching our heads as the anime clearly dragged things out for the manga to print. Eventually, we move on with the story, getting the end of Orihime and Uryu's fight with the semi-giant Jirobo, then hilarious scenes of Ichigo and Ganju both being committed to each other and hating each other whilst they try to escape. They take a hostage in the tiny, timid Squad 4's Hanataro, who later proves useful in wishing to aid them in their search for Rukia, while Ikaku spilled everything he knew of Ichigo to his crazy, lost and confused Captain Kimpachi. So yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I think I, I spent a lot of these episodes watching 
Um, honestly, for plot, which is rare for me, I tend to focus a lot on character and relationships mm-hmm. and, frankly, fight techniques and, and and cool fighting moves and stuff when I watch Bleach. But I found myself being like, oh, yeah, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. Like, action that's actually driving the plot forward in these two episodes, which is probably one of the first times I think I spent my time doing that in this series. There was a lot more to these episodes than I originally thought. Like watching these episodes the first watch through or the first couple of watch throughs actually without a critical mind on, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, shit happened. It's fine. But this time I'm like, I I think I'm a bit like you, Del, where I've I've been extracting little bits of information. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's new. Oh, I didn't notice that. What's going on there? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because we are watching this so we can then talk about it and we're picking up on those things. But Mm. I am noticing I'm much more invested and taking note of it. Normally I'm a type of person who can't... I have to do like three things at once. Like I'm either on my phone or watching (laughs) or I'm doing two different things. Whereas now because I am purely watching so I can take it all in so I can talk about it later, I am noticing a lot more than I would have done if I was sitting on my phone or something. Yeah. Completely. Well, who wants to who wants to start us off with something then to discuss? Oh, yeah, I've got something go, for sure go, go, for, go for, for episode 28. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the thing that... <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me the most in episode 28, um, as I was... I finished the episode and I thought back and I was like, okay, what do I remember? It's a very silly episode. There are a lot of very silly people. And I think it's really exciting to see for the first time because we know we've got the Karakura gang busting into the Serete and we're told pretty much from the outset, with the exception of Rukia, that Soul Reapers are enemies and the Seirete is a scary place and everyone is really powerful. It's enough that Yoroichi even says, don't fight the captains. It's a bad idea. You're going to freaking die. Like, we are told they are set up to be so, so scary. And then now that we've got everybody actually running through the Seirete trying to avoid all of these many, many, many soul reapers, most of whom are male, by the way. All of the little, like, NPC red shirt soul reapers mm-hmm. are are dudes, which I hadn't noticed before. So, like, shout out mm-hmm. to 2020 and my own, like, gender journey for giving me that lens, I guess. That's a complete side note. Um, slash, it's an older series, and I'm not confused about why that happened. But anyway, my point here is that the Serete is a silly place full of silly people. And I think that this episode in particular, as well as episode 29, really highlights that. Does, did did either of you notice anything along those lines at all? <laughs> yeah, I noticed the male to female ratio of the, the sort of grunt work. Um, Ugh. Serete members. Uh, I, I did notice yeah. the, the distinct lack of of femininity, which just brings, or I think just zeroes in on how unique and special Rukia is. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. It's like she, yeah, because she's standing out a lot more because there's something different about her. At least that was how I, that was what I took from it. It's not the fact that she's got all these other things going on as well, but yeah, I don't see what you mean. Mm Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, we've not really seen that many. We've seen, I think we get a glimpse in these two episodes of Nemu, which is the lieutenant of Captain uh, of Squad yeah, 12. Yeah, mm-hmm. Who is treated terribly, by the way, in yes. just two seconds. Mayuri speaks to her very unkindly, which, like, I knew, yeah. but I forgot how, how... It 
frankly does not make me happy. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not confused by it, and I don't like it. Ugh. Yeah. The only female Soul Reapers we've actually seen at this point are all Lieutenant. So you had mm-hmm. Momo. Um, and captains. We've seen the captain of squad four and squad yes, two. Yes, that's right. We have at this we have it. at this point. Yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right. I was like, I wasn't sure if it's but yes, you're right. But in the big captain meeting rooms and things we have, you're right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we've the only females we've seen are captains and lieutenants at this point. Which yeah. is very interesting. And Orihime, I guess. So like if Orihime is rolling up fighting in a powerful way with a technique that these soul reapers haven't seen before, I'm like even thinking about the way that Jerobo reacts to uh, Orihime's abilities. He's like, what is yeah. this? <laughs> and like, he's probably not used to, he's, he's squad seven, which I don't know. There's a certain machismo that permeates aspects of squad mm-hmm. seven for sure. So I'm not surprised that he's like, Oh, it's a, it's a lady. Oh my God. What are you doing? Hmm. I do remember two females actually. One of them can hold be traced back to this because she was in four in episode 29. And she was wearing, You're right, like, the, the ponytail with the over... ponytail, speaking to Hanataro. Yeah. There was that one, but there was also another one that poked her head around um, to speak to Ikaku when he was in fourth in the next episode. She was a, she was a nurse, wasn't she? Yeah. She was working in squad four. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah, stereotypes. Oh, yeah, that's really <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. One of the, one true. Of the things I wanted to just bring back up, um, because it was something that was called out in the manga, and it was Yoroichi and Gin had both made reference to G. G- Jidanbo not being the only giant and so to me I feel yeah, like yeah. I don't know about you guys but I feel like the 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 gentleman that they were fighting um what was his name again Jirobo Jirobo I'm going to get him Jirobo. confused with Jidanbo mm-hmm. now but Jirobo was almost not fully human or giant I, he was kind of like a Hagrid he was kind of in between well so there's a cool thing where he is we don't get this in this episode but I don't feel like it's spoilery he's literally Jidanbo's younger brother Ah, there we go. Where do we find that out about? I've also i've i've got his i've got his stats up on the fandom wiki at the uh, moment. Actually, uh, he's supposed to be seven foot seven and three hundred and seventy four pounds, or one hundred and seventy two kilos. Wow! So he's a big dude. He's also a Scorpio. <laughs> for those who care, <laughs> amazing. That's exactly why he acted the way he did towards Orochi. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I'm surprised he didn't have more depth of feeling TV age. I'm going whatever. to have a, just a tiny. <laughs> Maybe he's an Aries rising. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have just a tiny Orihime rant here. It's going to be saved mostly for the next bit. Yeah, the next yeah, bit is going to get it. But there was a moment in, in this episode where I was like, oh my gosh, this is Orihime. This is manga Orihime, where she's looking at Uryu and she's in her head she's dissecting everything that's changed about him that like mm. about his power about like how he responded etc etc and um and i was like that is manga orihime that's what she's like in the manga that little moment there that little glimpse there was totally what she was like and written like in the manga but then the anime ruined it by having oh. her or in the dub i don't know about the sub but in the dub she says i'm sure he's a quincy and i'm like no fucking shit sherlock yeah like you just now figuring that out huh. I don't think they meant it. I think it might have been a mistranslation. And the- I was going to say, I wonder if that was just some nuance that got lost. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because it's slightly different in the in the manga. And I wasn't sure maybe if it was slightly different in the sub as well. But- yeah, I wonder mm. if it's more more in the vein of like, oh boy, he sure is a Quincy yeah. kind of thing. And it was it was just something nobody paid enough attention to. To, to change that in an edit or something. More than likely. But I just wanted the audience to know that that little snippet of like Orihime being really astute 
that's what manga or ahime is written like all the time. Not dumb, mm. not thick, not stupid. Just like that. Damn. R.I.P. <laughs> Speaking of Quincy's, though, mm-hmm. did it not strike you as odd that Jirobo knew what a Quincy was, but Ruki had done Yes! I, ca- I absolutely thought that was strange. Mm-hmm. Especially considering Rukia had no idea. Exactly. It's Yes. It's probably something to go much deeper into in a spoiler episode, but that fact that Rukia doesn't doesn't know what it is doesn't know what Quincy is and Jirobo does, it was just such a huge contrast between them. Right? So I know I guess I don't know how old Jirobo is, because if Jirobo is older, it's possible that he has direct experience with Quincy's that Rukia did not have. The other thought that I had, this doesn't make as much sense because as far as we know, I think they've all gone through the same academy and the same training, unless Jirobo is old enough that there wasn't an academy yet, but I seriously doubt that because that was like 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago. Um, I wonder if it's just a difference in mentality among squads because I wonder if... I was going to say, we know that the Quincy's were done out 200 years ago and we know that... Judanbo was guarding right. that gate for 300 years undefeated, I think it was. So if he Ooh, knew, he was probably around when the Quincy's were mutilated and he might have told his younger brother if his younger brother was too young, if that makes sense. Yeah. My guess is that Jirobo was yeah. just there. And like then I guess, yeah, the other thing I was going to say, this seems less likely, but I wonder if there are different levels of transparency about that kind of thing among different yes. squads, because we haven't had much experience with the seventh division captain yet, but f- for those who have thoughts about him already, I could see him being the kind of person who is like very earnestly transparent about things that aren't so pleasant, whereas I could see the 13th division brushing unpleasantness under the rug selectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it would perhaps the other major difference is their rank as well. Cause Vuki is unseated. Whereas he's a fourth seat. If yeah, I'm not mistaken. Right, yes. Yeah. He's the fourth seat. Yeah. So depending on how the ranks go and how big of a gap that is between being unseated and being a fourth seat, that could mm-hmm. also, he may have access to that information that Wukia doesn't. That's a very good point, because yeah, we don't know at this point how seated officers are assigned or how lieutenants become lieutenants or captains, so mm. they might have to sit exams or something, and that's maybe part of what they have to study. Who knows? So maybe there's advanced courses or yeah. something mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. to do. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Even, even honestly, even so that they can hold a tighter grip on some of that information, because... If something suspicious about Quincy's were to get out, it's possible that the Soul Reapers wouldn't want, you know, their young, unseated officers who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 100 years old, whatever. They wouldn't want them to know about that genuinely tragic dark spot on their history, whereas a lieutenant might need to have that information or a a seated officer so that they can do some damage control if they need to. In the eyes of the captain or the captain Yeah, that's, no, that's a really good point. It's interesting, though, that if that's the case, because I, I do think that was where it was going, but if that's the case, like, I guess then Rookie already knew about, like, the mod souls being created and then just wiped out, so they don't clearly care too much about the reputation as such for, for things, but I suppose because it's Did she it's know a, about that before she started spending time with Urahara, or no? Uh, I think she did, yeah, I think she, it was before. Okay. I don't think Urahara gave her that information. She had that already. Okay. Um, but I guess maybe because mod souls were created by the Serete, quote unquote, that they, they see them as not 
humans, quote unquote, like Quincy's are oh, technically sure. part human. So maybe that's partly where that's coming from. Yeah. And there's also a level of like, well, this is my toy. I can break it if I want yes. to with the mod souls, which is maybe not the feeling about the Quincy's. Yeah, that's true. And, and having watched Captain Creepy of Squad 12 uh, oh. today in these two episodes, then I, I, th- that wouldn't surprise me <laughs> that he would feel that way about his toys. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> this is probably going to come out eventually more, but like I am <laughs> fully one of those people who like, Mayuri is flawed and does some morally questionable things. And there is just a part of me that can't help but feel very soft about him. So apologies in advance for when that shows up. <laughs> um, speaking of soft and like, wow, do, thank you. Wow. <laughs> no, I am a person of many of many colors and shapes and forms. So, um, I, and I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to deny my feelings. I can't. If I've learned one thing from Shonen, it's don't deny your feelings ever. Because if you do that, you end up like Uriu. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Burn. Um, I, speaking of dubious softness, I did want to bring up one more thing about episode 28, which is uh, something that Jirobo says to Orihime when she first intends to unleash her fairies on him, for better or for worse. Tsubaki, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is Tsubaki who is the most aggressive fairy she has, mm-hmm. which actually kind of augments this point. Uh, Jirobo mentions to her that she's not going to succeed in this situation because there's no intent to kill behind her attack. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by that for some reason, partly because I guess we have the context that Orihime's greatest strengths don't lie in something like killing to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I was really, really struck by what could be a dominant soul reaper mentality. Um, And especially because we've seen some of this in like Ikaku's perspective and the squad 11 pervasive perspective to begin with that shooting to kill is a point of pride and should be your intention. And if you're just kind of bandying your weapon about, it doesn't count for as much regardless of your ultimate goal. I don't really know what I have to say about that exactly, but it was something to hear it expressed so overtly really stuck out to me. Because mm-hmm. it was Tsubaki gave her almost a similar bit of advice, really, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. And so- I, I feel like Urahara said something not dissimilar to Ichigo when he was training mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that is coming out with this. These powers that they've got, regardless of what form they take or where they came from, they're... They have to, like, for example, Orihime can probably heal so well because that's what she wants to do. Like, she can see that clearly in her head. She knows she wants to help people and save them. And so, like, she has no problems activating that power because that's a huge part of her personality. Uh, But meanwhile, obviously, attacking, she doesn't want to hurt. It goes against her nature to want to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think Orihime ever could ever, ever kill anybody. Um... And and so mm. her attacks lack murderous intent or whatever he says. So, yeah, they don't do any real damage. And Subaki always ends up suffering the poor grumpy gouch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he needs an attitude adjustment. He does. He kind of deserves it. So I'm kind of like, eh, you brought it on yourself by being a twat. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um. Do you have any, are there any key differences between the anime and the manga in this one? Um, there's not too much. Um, 
the part where Yumichika actually gets cut um, and is bleeding and his beauty is Ooh, marred, yes. that's not in the manga. That's only <gasps> in the anime. He's he's still well, beautiful I in the manga. Never. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. The anime sullied that beautiful yep. man. Yes. No. <laughs> I love him. I forgot to call him out as a fave in episode one, by the way. I fucking love him. I think he's, oh. I mean, sassy and fabulous is a trend for me anyway, but I I, re- I, I really like him. Anyway, sorry. Um, and then the Hanataro scenes aren't in the anime, uh, aren't in the manga. We don't actually get Hanataro's name oh, no. until much later in the manga. Um, so the fact that we've got a name for him today is nice because I love Hanataro. <laughs> I do too. We got a lot of names in this episode that we wouldn't get in the manga. We got Nemu's name as well. That's not in the manga. No kidding. Oh mm-hmm. wow. And Lord Mayuri, as she's as Nemu calls him. Yeah. Oh boy. This is a little insight to their kind of relationship if she calls him Lord Mayuri. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it for manga differences. It's just yeah, just names and Hanataro scenes. Wow. Yeah, and I imagine that was just for the sake of streamlining storytelling in a way that was slightly more comprehensible or something like that. And the names obviously add to clearer storytelling, so yeah, that all makes sense to me, for sure. Yeah, there's also, there are not many differences between the sub and the dub in this episode as well. In fact, I think there's kind of just one that's even worth mentioning, um, which is really just that uh, when Jiroba was talking about, you know, that thing when he like, he does that little... 10 second countdown to be like, aha. They like counting in this place, yeah. lament, lament your inevitable de- Wait, yeah! J- d- j- Jadonbo likes counting oh, too! Yeah. <gasps> and it sounds like his little brother can do it better than him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family trend! Oh, that's really funny, wow! That is really funny, actually. Real spotted. <laughs> Oh no, poor Jadonbo. He, he like his his counting abilities pale in comparison to those of his brother. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. But the only difference really is that when Jirobo starts in on that in uh, in in Japanese, he expresses, "Oh, I'm gonna give you time to lament," which to me is like, "Oh, you're gonna acknowledge your inevitable death in." this particular reflective way but in english he he uses the word regret Mm -hmm. which is like i feel like it's more shameful and less reflective Mm -hmm. i don't know do what you will with the connotations of those two words but in the sub it's lament and in the english dub he uses the word regret so in the manga it's regret as well i I don't know if that was just really a strange translation because i i agree lament makes more sense but maybe they just thought uh a bit like the Sorcerer's Stone and the Philosopher's Stone. Maybe they just thought the audience over in America wouldn't understand the word. Ugh. Yeah. Potentially. I guess. Yo, yeah. My 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 magical metaphysics heart feels frustrated by the fact that Philosopher and Sorcerer are meant to be the same goddamn thing. Also, frankly, more opportunities for my trans ass to rip J.K. Rowling to shreds at the moment is not something I'm mad at. <laughs> yeah. like, whatever. 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 <laughs> That aside, that's the only difference I have between the dub and the sub for episode 28. Everything seemed to be fairly straightforward, possibly because it was so action-packed. And a lot of the content is about physical movement and space and and relationship to combat. So the translations are kind of bound to be a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, the only other thing I had for this episode written down on my lovely, gruesomely 
horrible piece of paper that has somehow managed to get water damage on it. I don't know where that came from. Uh, the only other thing I've got is the outro. Oh. We got to see Squad 11. And this is probably where we should remind the audience, because he's not present, of uh, Shiki's uh, absolute love for Yachiru and Kenpachi and their dynamic. I just need to make sure everybody's aware of that and carry that mantle for Shiki. Uh, but we got to see them in the outro to episode 28, which I thought was really cute. And there was a really, really cute one-panel mm-hmm. scene of like them in evening wear. So like where she's sitting, I can't remember what she's doing, but she's sitting oh. like at his feet and he's just sort of, I think he's drinking mm-hmm. or smoking or something like that, but he's sitting with the window open and it's very clear that the two of them are dressed down. Yeah. And his hair is down. Yeah. And she's wearing it's her jammies, like her... I don't know what they call it in J- Japanese, but like she's wearing obviously pajama nightwear. I don't remember what she's wearing because I was so distracted by Kenpachi's hair. One of my favorite things in the universe is when like a person has their hair one way for most of all of the everything, <laughs> and then it either like falls down or gets tousled or something. So if some if like seeing his hair like in his face, I was like, God damn, Daddy! Like that was not. <laughs> I just didn't. I've never reacted that way to Kenpachi in my life, and then I saw that and I was like, Okay, all right. You can get it. <laughs> Amazing. What a reaction. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here going, oh, he's so uh. cute. <laughs> That's what I said. We just used different words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's funny. Now, I just wanted to know how Yurichi knows what Zawakai's sense is like. She sa- he says, hmm. oh, well, that's, I sent Zawaki or Kenpachi. But how does Yurichi mm. know who that is? That was my well, only thought well process in that happened. Oh, that's a good... Hmm. I wonder. Yeah. Something yeah. something for the spoiler episode, maybe? Uh, quite possibly, maybe. yeah. I, yeah. I guess my only thought is I assume Yoruichi has been, like, keeping tabs on Soul Society in some way, shape, or form, and learning that Kenpachi exists, or rather that this Kenpachi exists, is... We definitely know that Yoruichi that. knows enough about this world, considering that uh, he has contacts with... Kukaku and honestly I get confused with between Ikaku and Kukaku all the time <laughs> yeah. I know. they would both shocking. beat you up Absolutely for shocking, that. Right? Um, <laughs> baldy and firework lady right there we go <laughs> so oh. um, but like we know that Yoroichi's got friendships in the soul society he's got friendships in Urahara who we have seen in a flashback wearing a captain Sayori mm. We actually, and I don't remember whether it was 28 or 29, but at some point, it's 29. Okay, great. Because I was going to say, we get to see the number on the back eventually, and I I couldn't remember where. This is one of the cooler outros, actually, because this is the one where you get to, like, kind of go through each squad and get to see little snippets of, like, domestic fluff and relationships and stuff. I love that. And I also just really like this song. It's so good. And I I just, again, I just need to hand it to the the animators for Mm. creating each outro uniquely. For just mm-hmm. one episode, for each of the absolutely amazing, agree. it's so amazing. Anybody that's ever tried their hand at any type of animation will tell yep. you how hard it is, how much work needs to go into it. So for them mm-hmm. to do that for just one intro outro is like kudos, kudos. Cool. We come into episode twenty nine then. Yeah. Any discussional points? I've got a couple, but mine's mostly involves an Orihime rant. Hit it. I've been waiting for this, so f- so freaking hit go it. Forward. Yeah, Naomi, do you want to go? Do you want to go first before I start hitting the listeners with um, my usual bullshit? Um, mine was just the bit of humor between we love your um, Kenpachi and there was a conversation between a Kenpachi and a Kaku, and Kenpachi goes, "Oh, what's his name?" And then the next very next scene, it's 
Hanatawa. So it makes it seem like Ikaku was talking I about Hanatawa, so and funny. it is hilarious, and I loved it, and it cracked me up. <laughs> that was the only thing I have to say about the episode. Sweet boy. But that yeah. is amazing. Because <laughs> in, in, the, in the manga, it doesn't quite do that, does it? It goes, it jumps to Ichigo's face. Yeah. Yeah, so we get, like, it makes sense in the manga because it's like, oh, it's Ichigo. Um, but yeah, that's, that'll, that might, well, I've already called out, so I don't need to say it again in the a, in a differences. But on to my um, a slightly, just a tiny little, tiny little Orihime rant. <laughs> and this ties in with the uh, manga and anime differences. So I'm going to call this one out where, like, we see this scene of Orihime just being like, really astute and really contemplative of like Uryu's power and how he fights and can I just say as well like Orihime in the manga made the first move to attack as well to protect Uryu which I thought was a huge insight into her character again nice. and and we don't nice. get to see that really in the anime as much as we would like but Orihime just like She's so astute. She's so well done. And in the in the in the anime, they had her like at the very end of having these moments. She like trips and Uryu catches her. She trips on nothing, so there was no point in it even existing in the in the anime. I don't know what the, that was all about, except to just remind the audience, oh, she's an idiot. Uh, so even though she's had this really bright moment, oh, she can't walk properly. Uh, and then she starts talking to Tatsuki in the sky, which also doesn't happen in the manga. Uh, is and then Uryu has that moment mm-hmm. of going, "Are you feeling okay?" Because you're talking to the sky, and then and then Orihime starts babbling nonsensically in the background, and none of that is in the manga because in the manga she's just normal. But they felt the need to add it into the anime because they're all like, <laughs> "Yeah, she's noticed all these things for the audience, and the audience needs to be aware of it." But I'm pretty sure, see if the audience didn't need to get that much insight into Uryu, I doubt the anime would have even included that. They would have just kept Orihime thick and stupid, and it really fucking bugs me. Because, like, at the very end of her being like that, they have this moment of, oh, she needs a man to help her. Oh, she's tripped over. Oh, she's talking to the sky. She's clearly, clearly crazy. And I'm just like, why are you putting that shit in there when it doesn't exist in source material? Stick to the damn script, anime. It annoys me, okay? It really annoys yeah, me. Like, like, and, and I know that yeah, anybody yeah. that has that has any point in their life existed um, being branded as a woman at any point or a female at any point in their life will have suffered the same stereotypes shoved against them of women are thick, they're stupid, they're just there to look good. We get it. We've had it our whole lives, right? It's not it's not a news flash to us. But it's just that it detracts so much from Orihime's character when she's not like that at all in the manga. And it really annoys me. I'm totally racking my brains trying to rationalize my way around this choice. And truly nothing productive is coming to mind. The only thing I can think of is comic relief. Ugh. But I'm like, it's... Oh, yeah, you're using you. a woman with big boobs as comic relief? That's really original. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because if it's not her, then it's... If it's not her being thick and stupid, then it's Cone being a pair. Of, but then, to be honest, that's, that's in the manga, so that's kind of canon. Yeah. Which, I don't know. It's funny because I'm thinking about, like, even Uryu. Uryu is, like, so capital S serious, but some of the moments that make me laugh the most come from him. Like, Uryu doing silly things very seriously is one of my favorite bits. I love, <laughs> love, love that as a bit. And so clearly 
there are other, and even just like what you were mentioning before about that quick little cut that isn't in the manga from like, oh yeah, what's your name? And then it's Hanata Odis or whatever. Like, <laughs> dude, that's really funny. So if you can generate that, then like, why are you also stooping to the level of making fun of a, a, a perfectly rational, perfectly kind, full, fully developed care? Not, uh, not, uh, that was not a boobs joke. Uh, uh, I'm stressed yeah. about this now, Lethem. God damn it. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm like. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You're absolutely right. Like, why are you stooping to this level? Come on, localization team. Oh. I know, I know, it just drives me nuts and it's just like, yeah. especially because like I've got so much respect for Kubo now because I know that he does have his moments in the manga where he does sexualize his characters and, and I get sure. it, but there are moments where like the male characters, like the girls that are reading get a bit of eye candy too in the male characters. Oh you know yeah, I mean? like, we, so much. We do, we very much do. So like I feel like it, it's, it's fair in the manga, it feels fairer. Um, and when I'm reading the manga, I don't, as a female reader, feel excluded. Like, like as a as a as a woman that identifies as a woman, I, I don't feel excluded from the manga when I'm reading the manga. But sometimes when I watch the anime, I do. I feel disconnected from it because yeah. of how it treats its girl characters, and it's really infuriating. I sort of wonder whether part of that has to do with uh, different teams taking different audiences for granted, because Kubo. I imagine Kubo knows he's writing for people of all genders who are attracted to people of all genders. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of eye candy and there's a lot of exploration of a lot of... You, like, you get really fully developed female characters and really fully developed male characters. And, like, as far as I know, I don't think there are really any non-binary, canon non-binary characters in bleach outside of like head cannons. I don't know. I might keep an eye on that as we watch through, but I don't think anyone's come up yet, really. Um not but, yet, but there are a few I can think of off the top of I my mean, head. I mean I know that there are some trans characters that come up eventually, but beyond mm. that But yeah, so I wonder whether the anime team had young boys in a pretty specific way on their mind as far as target audience goes, mm-hmm. because it is at the end of the day still a shonen. So Kubo might have been a little bit more fast and loose with the with the shonen label, whereas the anime, knowing that they were going to be marketing in a really specific way, probably leaned into some of those unfortunate tropes a little bit more. Yeah, I think as well, and it was something that I caught, I made fun of a little bit in the episode recap. Is is very clear that the anime is dragging things on, so they're putting things oh, in yeah, for to sure. allow time for the manga to be created when it was being printed and 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 drawn. Um, but it's it's very obviously done because there was. Uh, uh, well, I'll go through some of the differences as well that I've yeah, got sure. written down here. I've got. There's like a whole scene of uh, Jirobo praising Uryu in the anime as well that doesn't exist in the manga. In the manga, he goes straight for Orihime, pretty much. Um, whereas oh. in the in the anime, he was like, oh, you know, you're really good at fighting, you know, and you've got these weapons, and I've got these types of weapons too, and I can't believe how amazing you are, and blah, blah, blah. And it went on for a while. And I was like, right, we get it. You love him. We all do. He's a very attractive man. Get on with it. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't exist. And again, I think that's him just pulling things out. We've got a moment of Uryu talking about, in the anime, he says about targeting a girl. And he says no fighter would ever do something like that, um, like targeting uh. a girl. But that's not mentioned at all in the manga. In the manga, what he says, there's absolutely no gender reference at all. He just says that 
the stunt that he pulled where he sort of turned on a defenceless person um, had no shred of honour in it. So there's no reference to, oh, you went for a girl, that's bad. So again, that's that's time. And then I've got my big um, capital letter F off anime thing there. Then uh, we've got, (laughs) that was following the Orihime moments. Also, Hanataro is seen for the first time in the Squad 4 group in the manga. So when we see Squad 4 units running to try and... um, get on, on site to heal people, heal the injured, we see Hanataro. We don't get his name, but we see him there. And that's the first time that we actually see him. He gets separated from the group because he needs to stop to tie his sandal, which is called a, 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 waraji, a waraji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a traditional Japanese footwear. The scenes of Kenpachi and Yachiro being lost again don't continue. Uh, you know, we don't see them oh, in the manga. I know it's funny, but it's also like they've those. done it. They've done it like five or six times at this point in the anime, and it only happens once or twice in the manga. But the manga is really short compared to the anime. Like the anime is really dragging things out for extended periods of time. So I think it's their way of reminding you: here's where all these characters are and what they're doing. Whereas in the manga, you don't need that constant reference because you just read it three pages ago. Right. So things right. are a lot more condensed. So the, in, in the, the anime Squad 11, there's a Squad 11 person that gives a bit of um, explanation around the different squads, especially around Squad 11 and why they hate Squad yeah. 4 and what Squad 4 do. I will admit, I did quite like that because that wasn't in the manga, but I feel like that kind of exposition was sort of needed. But that kind of exposition is really good uh, because it gave us insight into these two squads. Whereas in the manga, you're just sort of left. It's not that you're left. It's that it's insinuated and it's said very briefly by one person. And it's just assumed that you Mm. will then take that for gospel effectively without building on it. Yeah. And actually using squad four and squad 11 in particular to exemplify that contrast was a really good choice Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, they both have really distinct things that they're known for and that they do. And then on the other hand, you pretty much can't have two more different squads. Squad 4 and Squad 11 are about as different as you get. Yeah, absolutely agree. And my other little difference might come up in the sub and dub potentially as well. In the anime, they call Hinataro's name lame and it stands for flower Uh, or blossom. In the manga, they just say that it's an ordinary, it's so ordinary that it's hard to remember, which I thought was funnier. (laughs) Yeah, That's, I think. Oh, yeah, co- coming funny, from a guy yeah. whose name means strawberry, like because <laughs> Hanataro's last name is Yamada, mm-hmm. which is a very popular surname in Japan. It's one of the most popular ones, uh, statistics-wise, I believe. So them saying that his name is rather ordinary can tie into that as well. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, which actually, so both of the differences between the sub and the dub are thing or are related to things that have come up before with regard to this episode. So there are kind of only two, so I'm just going to hit them real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is indeed about Hanataro's name, and it's that same difference. Um, it's it's too hard to remember in Japanese, whereas in English they just say it's lame. Which is so sad. Like, there are also other strong male characters that have flower references in their names who are, like, regarded very well. And, like, the Yama part, like, Head Captain Yamamoto, it's the same Yama. It means mountain. It's a a strong name. Um, So, whatever, Ichigo and Ganju, live your lives, I guess. 
Uh, and then the other difference uh, comes circling back around to Lethan's favorite moment where Orihime babbles randomly after staring into the sun and hearing Tatsuki's voice. Um, it's just, there's sort of a different, there's kind of a chain of thought you can follow in the English. Um, she like looks into the sun and talks about the sun making you teary-eyed and then t- talks about being teary-eyed making you feel like you need to sneeze. And so there's there's kind of a through line there. Whereas in Japanese, um, she's just kind of all over the place about it. She's like, oh, yep, my eyes got teared up and I was looking into the sun. Do you feel like that ever, Uryu? Uh, you know, sometimes people sneeze. And, and oh, have you ever needed to, like, go to the restroom when you're at a bookstore and then sometimes your gums bleed when you bite into an apple? It goes all over the place. Um, so I assume that's uh, Lethin's favorite moment from the sub, probably. <sighs> that's all I got for differences for episode 29, though. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> The only other little thing I wanted to call it, and I can't remember if this was only in the manga or if it was also said in the programme in the anime as well, but I've mm. wrote it down in my to discuss points, <laughs> where Ikaku calls Yachiru a twerp. And I think it might only be the manga that it was said in. But it was this like, when... twerp. <laughs> it was just Is really funny. I thought it was him after Mayuri's been interrogating him? Is that that moment? Yes. I don't remember yes, what yes. he says specifically, yeah. but I do remember there being a comment along those lines. Well, because also, to be fair, she calls him, like, depending on your translation, like, cue ball, baldy, shiny head, whatever. And so he's like, <laughs> Mr. Baldy. <laughs> about that. Um, uh. I have a funny feeling it might have been that. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Yeah, I can't recall, but I think he does say something. Yeah, he does. That's just it's. It, do you know what though? It's a really interesting insight into right? how this unit functions. I loved that scene. I really loved the scene because, like, despite the fact that Captain Creepy is a captain from Squad Twelve, he's trying to get information out of Ikaku. Ikaku's like, "Nope, I've not got anything you. for you." Like, you know what I mean? He's like, "No, I've not. I don't even remember what he looks like." And then. Captain Creepy goes to punish him, and then, of course, Kenpachi steps in, and he's like, hey, you're not punishing my squad members. And then, of course, he has the exchange with Ikaku, where Ikaku says, you know, he's basically, Ichigo will be a a, a fully developed fruit by the time that Kenpachi goes to try and smush him. Um, (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Which I just thought was really interesting, how, obviously, they're the way he speaks to a captain not of his squad and the way he speaks to his own captain yeah. and lieutenant was really interesting. You know, I was thinking thinking about that insight into Squad 11. There is a bit that Kenpachi says, which is like right before Mayuri is about to, to which is very out of line, by the way. Like he should not be punishing a wounded man yep. for withholding information that he has no strict right to, to begin with. That's shitty. But, mm-hmm. um... Kenpachi arrives just at the right moment, and Ikaku seems grateful for this, I think, but there's a line that Kenpachi says that's like, oh, it's just by coincidence that we ended up here, because obviously Ichiru's sense of direction is borderline non-existent. So I am now, for the first time, actually wondering, like, knowing how close and well-connected like sure they make fun of each other but squad 11's really tight is the vibe i get so far so i wonder whether yachiru knew that ikaku maybe was gonna be in trouble and was like hey okay we're gonna go this way because i I feel like if nothing else she can probably sense ikaku's spiritual pressure probably maybe i don't know Mm -hmm. so arriving on the scene to save their wounded squad member from being cruelly punished by someone who shouldn't be cruelly punishing him 
Kenny probably does think it's just a coincidence, knowing how shitty Yachiru's sense of direction is. But I wonder whether that wasn't actually an accident and whether they stepped in at just the right time because Yachiru kind of made that happen, maybe. I like to think of that. That's my head canon. I like that I idea. I do too. That one's for you, Shiki. I'm giving you that. <laughs> With us in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> The only other thing I had was a squad 12 outro, which ends with something very particular. Oh, and what would that be? (laughs) So we know that when Ikaku and Ichigo were fighting, we got a glimpse of Urahara in a captain's Hayori. Mm -hmm. And at the end of uh, this outro to episode 29, which was all about squad 12, Captain Mm -hmm. Creepy and Nemu, who he treats very poorly, it ends in a shot of Urahara in the Hayori for Squad 12. Yeah, it's nice to have that confirmed as well, and it just screams the question of what happened. Yes. So, yeah, it's uh, exciting. It's great to see him. I also loved everybody else in Squad 12. Like, there's the more kind of hanging out on the, around the table, and you've got all those... Uh, an eclectic assortment of souls hanging around the table. Mm-hmm. There's so much insight to that as well. It's true. All right, cool. Well, um, if that's all we have to cover from the episodes themselves, uh, should we hit up that delving into the Don Guy section, y'all? Yeah. Naomi, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. About a week ago from recording this, there was a Bankai Live at the Tokyo Game Show, which is all to do with the game Bleach Brave Souls. And the information that was released along with that is that with the Can't For Your Own World collaboration nearing an end, and the Burn the Witch collaboration starting with the characters of Nini and Noelle being in the game, plus a Oshi familiar as well. The next collab will be mm. the novel Spirits Are Forever With You, and that's a novel oh, focusing wow. on Don Kanoji, of all people. But yeah, that's the oh, next boy. collab that Bleach Wave Souls are going to be doing, which is exciting because it'll be the first time it's getting translated into English. So that's, huh. that is cool. very exciting. There's also merchandise um been released for <laughs> burn the witch alongside bleach wave souls with the bleach wave souls museum i thought you were going to say there was merchandise being released for don kanoji i was going to be like sure there is of course don kanoji! <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. oh my god <laughs> that would have been so on character for him <laughs> okay but the thing is what if there were merch that was like oh are you a fan of this show well here buy a what's what's his show even freaking called i don't even remember yes is that what it is Is that the name of the show might be yeah yeah don kenoji soul hunter it's not that at all but no like i would i don't know i would hmm it's a bit of a deep cut and that's kind of that's like my favorite kind of merch is like what is that a reference to (laughs) and then it would just be what's that show when is it on oh who cares i'm just gonna continue to do my job wear my nerd shit oops no, it's the Burn the Witch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah but... I know. <laughs> um, it's a cute little Oshi plush. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Oshi is, you should definitely watch it or read the manga serialization and a file folder, which you can buy if you live in Japan. But yeah, there's a shop there as well. So that's that's pretty cool coming from the Bankai Live at the Tokyo Game Show. 
Awesome. The only other bit mm. of news I've got uh, here is that uh, Kite Kubo himself has sort of made a bit more of a return on Twitter recently, which is really nice to see. He kind of took a hiatus after obviously Aww. Bleach came to an end in that last um, volume was published and you know there was a, a tiny little bit of backlash for those that know what I'm talking about um, he sort of took a bit of hiatus off of his socials but he has started coming back and tweeting a lot more I've been seeing a lot more of his tweets popping up and uh, you've got to translate them into because there's a little lovely Google Translate button. But I do really recommend to anybody listening that you follow Tight. Mm-hmm. He's all over um, Bird and the Witch at the moment. And that seems to be what's making him quite active on Twitter again. So you can follow him at tight underscore official. The other thing, a tiny little thing, is from the server, obviously, because we can't have an episode go by without mentioning our lovely Discord server. They've started doing the Serite Bulletin and... A lot of the editors, like all of Squad 9 and the Serite server, make up some of the editors for this Serite bulletin, which I just think That's is amazing. So, sweet. Um, so, call out to everybody that is editing the Serite bulletin just now. And it is like a weekly shout out where they let everybody in the server know who's joined, who's gone into a squad, who's like what the shenanigans have been that week. They give an anime episode of the week based on something that's been happening in the server or somebody's birthday. They let you know like the ins and outs of everything. So if you've missed, like say you've taken a couple of weeks away from the server and you come back, you can read through the Serite bulletins and be pretty much caught up on every bit of shenanigans that's been happening. Oh, that's so clever. It was all Gingery's idea. So Gingery is one of our lieutenants of Squad 4. And it was all her idea. And then she pulled together the team and she made it happen. And it is phenomenal. And I look forward to it now every single week. That's excellent. Thank you, Gingery. Yeah. That is really cool. I love it. It's so good. And that's it. That's all I've got for delving into Dungeon. Sick. Well, then, shall we move on to our awards section, the Shinigami Cup Peroxide Edition? Yeah. Yep. Sick. So, uh, this series of two episodes, uh, as per usual, we've got Who Wore It Best first. Uh, who wants to take that away? I'll let Naomi go first. Okay. Great. Uh, so, mine, Who Wore It Best is actually in the manga. And mm-hmm. Uyu says something, um, they were translating names and talking about scythes. And Uyu says that he's a weasel with a scythe. <gasps> yeah, the wind scythe! And mine <gasps> is him being a weasel with a scythe that I've just posted in the host chat. Um, or he may thinking it, but it's literally yep. the cutest thing of <gasps> you as a weasel with a scythe and that's who wore it best. <laughs> oh my God, this is so adorable. Because it's oh. it's what uh, Jirobo says when he's releasing his, his shikai or whatever, isn't it? It's some yeah. sort of um, mm-hmm. weasel scythe animal that's a part of a legend in Japan. I can't remember the name of it, but Yamatha K. And then obviously Orihime. Oh, that's well, it. Right? Kaze means wind, and I know that the te- the the name of this it's, his his Shikai's official name started. It was Kaze something, and that was. Well, it's, all it's I thought, written but... in the bubble beside him, so it's Kama Kamai Tachi. Oh. Kamai Tachi. Kamai Tachi. Yep. And it's it's a Japanese legend because there was like a little bit of exposition in the manga where it was like starred, and then at the bottom it wrote down this is like a legend in Japan um, of a really fast like weasel scythe type animal. So that's what Orihime's thinking of there. I love that. That's amazing. I love that too. Lethin, what did you have for Who Wore It Best this week? My Who Wore It Best, I had to give it to Hanataro because he's so cute. And Hanataro wearing his adorable name because I don't care what anybody says, that name suits him. It really does. I agree. It does. Oh. <laughs> I just love Hanataro. I, took- I just want to like 
protect him. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. I'm loving him so much more that I'm dissecting mm. him for this podcast than I ever have. Like, in the past, to me, he was just a brush-away character. But <gasps> now, like, I know, shocking. How dare I, right? There's a, there's oh. a lot of characters <laughs> that I've loved more this watch through than I ever have before. Like, I'm way ahead in the manga, and we meet characters way ahead in the manga that I'm, I never used to uh-huh. like, but I'm now loving. So, Hinata was one of those. Yeah, I relate to that also with this watch through. Uh, I took my who wore it best really literally, and uh, we've already spoken about it, so I don't want to say too much, but yo, Daddy Kempachi in his pajamas <laughs> in that closing <laughs> theme fucking sent me, and I thought he looked fine, so he gets my who wore it best this I love that. I think Shiki would be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's an unexpectedly handsome man. Is it, a, is it a dilf? Mossy elf. Is that what it is, a dilf? Oh, a Dilf. Oh, he's a total. I mean, he's kind of a dad. Yeah, I don't know. Is. I don't really, yeah. I don't really want the, I, I like looking at him. I'm not interested in anything else. No. Not when it comes to Kenpachi. Uh-uh. No. You and Chica can call me though. Um, <laughs> any day. Um, <laughs> on that note. Honestly, speaking of best yeah. ship other than <laughs> me, ex Yumichiko, which we can all take for granted. <laughs> Look at that segue, Dale. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, my best ship was Hanato and his concern for Rukia. Oh. oh. <gasps> my heart is not ready for that. I'm actually, I'm going to just jump on that because mine is also Hanatoro and it's very similar. Um, I put like in the most pure way possible, Hanatoro X everybody because he cares so much about everybody. That's why it's, it's like, this is not a harem situation. This is Hanatoro being a kind, giving, caring person. Can I, can we just have, can we just like, now I know that I shouldn't be putting any more fan fictions on my trailer, but I would love (gasps) to have Hanatoro meeting Orihime. Like just a scene of those two just talking and just how much they, they care about Do people we around never them. Get that? I don't know, but I need this in my life. And this is where fan fiction is great. <laughs> well, you should put it as one of your suggestions for the gift exchange. That's Ooh, a really I've already signed up to the gift exchange. So oh. it's not included. <laughs> but I, that would, I haven't a, signed up yet. I'll see what I can do about that, maybe. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, Love that. yeah. Oh, sh- <laughs> Meanwhile, whilst oh, we're there, wow. let's just promote the Serites gift so exchange. Pure. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. If you want to see fanfics of Ohime meeting Hanato, sign up to the gift yes. exchange. Yes, <laughs> truly. <laughs> Uh, 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 Lethen, you've still got best ship left, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mine's is a uh, Captain Creepy wearing his uh, with his Creepy. Ugh. Captain Sorry. Creepy and his Creepy. <laughs> that's that's mine. <laughs> okay, oh, whatever. Yeah. What's your best double take? Double take. <laughs> Wait, did you give us your best ship? Yeah, it's an Otto X everybody. The not oh, hero. So was, so was. Sorry, yeah, that's right. That's fine. It's been like, this is just like ha- the Hanato appreciation episode. Yeah, these are Hana- all hours are Hanato appreciation hours, and anybody that dislikes that can at me all day long. Yeah, they can, they can, to be fair, they're just trash, and we can take them out. It's fine. Full on, tra- which is also Squad 4's job, if I'm not mistaken. So it's appropriate. <laughs> R.I.P. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, double yes, double take. <laughs> oh my god, please, p- please. I mean, it's, it's more Hanatawa. <laughs> yes! 
Yes! It is literally the all the Hanataro scenes um, and how they were anime only and not in the manga and how I actually like the fact that we're having this filler mm-hmm. and I appreciate what the anime has done for us. Yeah, I <laughs> for totally more agree. Like, th- this is this is filler anime content I can get down on. Like, that's fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Totally. It gives us more to his character. It's actually, the anime has characterized someone. Yeah, I know. <gasps> added. I know, not taken <laughs> right? away, added. He's fully getting reverse Orihime treatment. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yep. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, my double take was, because I like I like to have a funny one if I can, uh, was Ichigo saying to Ganju, you've got the reflexes of a banana. Did he say that right? That's just such a good thing to say. <laughs> so good. Oh. Oh. I want to use that in my life. Like that's yes. my brothers and I have a bunch of insults that we like to chuck at people because we think they're really funny. One of the, like one of them is like you're a bad listener. We think that's a really deep cut. We also like read a book, and now I'm gonna use you have the reflexes of a banana. Um, so another good. one, especially the fact that Ichigo's named after a strawberry. It just makes it even funnier. <laughs> Oh, that's very funny. And here's an interest. Oh. Here's a little fact for everybody. Banana is actually a berry, but a strawberry is not. There's a little thing for you. What the hell? Yeah, tell me about it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There's your I'm useless going. fact for the episode. Gosh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to d- d- grapple with that emotionally later um, <laughs> and <laughs> express that my double take for the week was Fairly early on in episode 28, I think it was, when Ichigo is just being swarmed by a heck ton of Soul Reapers, <laughs> most of whom I think are from Squad 11. Um, but these are all the, the fucking NPC red shirts that I called out before. But I want to give a massive shout out to either Kubo or the animation team or both for say uh, for the design of all of those NPCs like yeah. they are, and of course like I say NPCs by that I just mean like general people who don't really have names or whatever yeah. like um there's a lot of variety like they have different hairstyles some of them have glasses some of them have embellishments on their uniforms they all look really different and I was like oh we're actually getting a bit of a picture of soul society and the serete here look at look at the attention to detail. So I actually did kind of pause it and take some of this in and be like, are any of these people characters we're going to see again? And I was kind of like, nope, 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 nope. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you still have a cool mohawk. You still have really distinct eyes. You still have this really specific facial expression. Like, I just wasn't expecting it. And I thought it was kind of cool. So that's my double take. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, And they were, I think a lot of them did come or were based on characters in the manga as well, because I noticed that in the manga when I was reading it. Ah, nice. Um, so up next we have our fandom shoutouts for the week. Uh, what what have we been liking? What have we been excited about? I'll let Naomi go first again. So mine is piggybacking off the release of the Burn the Witch serial, mm. which for those of you who with Crunchyroll, you can catch it on Crunchyroll now. It's three episodes that basically just encompass the four episodes of uh four episodes of the manga. And it is a piece of artwork by the Mermaid Storytelling. And it's Rukia in a <gasps> Piper's outfit oh, from amazing. the Burn the Witch oh, serial. she looks so cool. She looks great. Oh, and she looks great. And that's on Twitter, isn't it? That's on Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr, sorry, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely check check that out. She, The person who can't word... <laughs> <laughs> They've done a really good job um, c- 
creating this, the artwork is really good as well. And it's really, really good comparison to what they wore in the anime as well. Uh, mine is because it was a lovely Kukaku's birthday the past week gone by uh, mm. there was a fantastic artist on Twitter posted an amazing piece of artwork of Kukaku for her birthday the artist is called Sora O Sora O 0322 and again it will be linked in our show notes and this was a piece that she or they I should say drew <gasps> of Kukaku oh, wow. and it is phenomenal Queen, oh yes. she looks so good. She does oh. that detail as well. Because mm-hmm. in the, the show, shading. there's so much movement. Yes. I love that. So oh, wow. good. So and again, like both the piece that Naomi's posted and I've posted, none of them have any spoilers in them at all. So definitely check them out. Amazing. You know what? I think mine for the week is fairly spoiler free as well. Amazing. Uh, for the most part, this this artist's. Um, a sort of opus in general. Uh, the the piece that I have is like sort of specific to the episodes that we've been covering this week and, and the previous week. Um, it's <laughs> it's Ikaku and Yumichika being really cute boyfriends. Um, and I just really like the art style. And there's just something about the body language that both of them are expressing. Like it's, it, I mean, I don't know. If you don't like gay shit, don't look at this, I guess. But like, slash maybe they're just friends. Maybe Yumichika is just hugging a shirtless Ikaku because that's what bros do. (laughs) But anyway, I love this piece of art because I think it's very tender and very sweet and very like an actual snapshot of what their little relationship could be. Even if you don't ship it, I think it's worth looking at. But this artist who is NekoCat42 on both Tumblr and Twitter also has uh, a lot of Toshiro and Rangiku content, among other things. Uh, But this is what pulled me in first because I'm much more an Ikayumi shipper than I am. uh, I don't even know the name of Toshiro X. What is it? Hitsumatsu. That's it. That one. That's not really my thing, but uh, but Ikayumi for sure is. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a very, they have a very tender art style, I think. And, uh, they do a really good job of being like, these are these people just kind of caught in a moment, Mm -hmm. um, throughout. So I think for the most part, it's not super spoilery. Um, no, it's not. And it's just nice. It's It's nice. nice. It is really really nice. Because I love how I love how Yumi's looking into the camera like, oh, mm-hmm. I've just been caught. Like he totally would. Yeah. He totally would. Who? I just, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. much so. I love how Akaku's holding Yumi's hands. Yeah, and like they both like they both look really strong. They do. Mm-hmm. They both look really pleased to be in the same space as each other. It's just nice, and the the muscle definition is also a plus 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 IMO. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of a thirst trap, but I'm not mad. (laughs) (laughs) Brutalized, it's fine. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Cheers for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wowee. Are we at the end already? I think we are. How did that happen? (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's been really nice recording with you again, Lethan. And it's been really nice recording with you again, Naomi. I've missed you both a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's been great. I I have missed this. This has been fun. It has been. Uh, well, on on that note, you wonderful souls, that is somehow the end of another episode. If you liked what you heard and you want to get involved, you can find us by searching The Serete on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, and T Serete on Twitter. Each of these platforms will link you to our fantastically deadly Discord family, where you can chat with us about the show, read fanfiction, take part in creative challenges, and talk anything and everything bleach. Now, 
Ichigo and Rukia might reap souls, but we are hoping to reap some five-star reviews, and that is where you come in. Make like our favorite orange-haired protector and Ichigo to iTunes to rate us, review us, and make us feel like number one. And to those of you listening on YouTube, don't forget to be like Chad and give us that good, good thumbs up. We really appreciate it. On the next episode of the podcast, we'll be covering anime episodes 30, Renji's Confrontation, 31, The Resolution to Kill, and 32, Stars and the Stray. We'll see you souls then. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.